Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. My name's Leanne Butterworth, and today we're speaking with Ainsley Hooper about empathy and disability inclusion. So we're going to learn all about how we can better include people with a disability to make them really feel heard, valued, and visible to not only improve their mental health, but also the community and the businesses with whom we all interact. So it's a really interesting discussion today with Ainsley from Ainsley Hooper Consulting about disability inclusion. My name's Leanne Butterworth, and you can find me at empathyfirst.com.au. This is the Empathy Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. Now, my name's Leanne Butterworth, and today I'm speaking to Ainsley Hooper. I was going to say consulting, but Ainsley Mm -hmm. Hooper. Hi. How are you, Ainsley? Yeah, good, Leanne. How about yourself? Well, thank you. And today, Ainsley, we're going to talk about empathy and disability and inclusion. So how to be more inclusive, how to learn more about the disability space and really get it right or get it better. I think some of us are trying. We're not getting it right. Let's talk about what we can do to be a more disability inclusive society, business and individual. So Mm -hmm. Welcome, Ainsley. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Firstly, thank you for having me on. Um, So, hi, everyone. I'm Ainsley Hooper. I own Ainsley Hooper Consulting. So, I am an anthropologist and disability inclusion consultant. I help businesses understand disability, uh, remove invisible barriers in order to reduce the risk of ableism or disability discrimination. When you say invisible barriers, what do you Mm -hmm. mean? So in, when I talk about invisible barriers, these are the barriers that exist that people who, and they're invisible because people don't know that they exist and that's because of the, the privilege that they've held. So not pri- when, when I talk about privilege, a lot of people think, oh, I'm not privileged. As it, they think it's an, an insult or a bad thing. It's not. It's just because you haven't faced something you don't realise it's a barrier. So basically I, I help businesses identify those things that uh, they're not necessarily, uh, they don't realise that consumers are actually having problems with those things because they've never had to even think about those things in the first place. Um, yeah. Like a, a very, very good example for me, like so I'm a wheelchair user okay. and this is one I use a lot. Um, but for example, trying to find a hair salon that has an accessible basin, that's actually a big 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 problem um it took me when my old salon closed down it took me three months to find another one which i could access in in my in my town so that that's a huge thing so and and speaking to salon owners they didn't even realize that that was an issue so it wasn't discriminatory they just didn't even think about it so that it's those kind of things yeah gotcha and i mean the way that i look at privilege is a lack of hurdles in your lane yes i like so some people didn't even know there were hurdles. So it's not about the prize at the end. Mm. It's about the lack of hurdles in your lane. And sometimes hurdles that we don't even think about are things like gender or uh, your level of ability or mm. the colour of your skin or mm. the suburb that you grew up in mm. or parental, um, let's say, divorce things like that. So it's not that there's a prize at the end, but it's the lack of hurdles in your lane that meant that you are better able to just take opportunities without even thinking about it. Exactly. So right. so what sort of businesses are actually engaging you these days? Oh, so I've been a wide range of uh, businesses. So I've been working with councils. I've been working with disability service providers. I've also been working with sustainability services firms and looking at disability action plans. So I'm getting, and even private, even public venues, uh, I've been engaged by them to help ensure uh, that the experiences of people with disabilities coming into their venues is is one that's barrier free. So like I get a wide range of, of, um, yeah, wide range of work. So then when we talk about disability, let's go into a few definitions for a second. So we'll define disability for a start because my head starts ticking over and I think, wow, there are so many, are we allowed to use the word disability? Let's start there. Is it okay for us to say the word disability? And I mean us as Mm -hmm. the people who have never really thought about this before. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. And this is, it's a really funny thing that we, I love this topic because I myself, okay, so I, I have a disability. I myself, when I was younger, had a huge problem with the word disability because I saw it as such a negative thing, as in, you know, that's with the stereotypes and I did not want to be related to those stereotypes. Yep. Then I became, as I got older, I realised there's nothing wrong with disability. It's the problem, it's the stigma that's been attached to it um, gotcha. by society that made it seem like a bad word and it's not. So it's the society's, um, it's the, the meaning needs to be changed because uh, yep. disability is not a problem at all. And, and so now um, when I talk to other people and I hear people use um, different different abilities or disabilities, those kind of things, uh, I get very, very, um, my, my back gets cried up about those because it's like, no, yep. say disability. Okay. The problem is not us, it's society, and that needs to change. Do you think people are afraid of the word disability? Yeah, yeah. So um, absolutely. So I, I um, actually, it's an interesting one. I found uh, a lot of people, a lot of parents of children with disabilities, I find, have a problem with the word. Um, okay. I just don't know why that is. I mean, I'm not a parent myself, so I can't actually speak to that, but I find that it, that's an interesting one. Um, so they are always trying to get out. I see a lot of conversations online about trying to get away from the word disability in those contexts. And then, and, I, and for me, I worry about the children because I feel like that's a bad thing to okay. try and push onto your children. That it's something that you should be, like, getting away from. Uh, but, okay. yeah, in the... Yeah, yeah. So I guess if we quickly define empathy and then come back to this, because there are three types sure. of empathy. And the reason I'm coming back to this is I think when we talk to people, because I remember there was a LinkedIn post and we talked about disability and some people said it was fine, some people said it's not fine. Mm. The definition of empathy that I use is the ability to share and understand the feelings of another person and respond appropriately. Mm. So I guess in this in this scenario, we can't lump together everybody and every disability <laughs> into one word. Yes. So I guess it's listening to that individual. So if there is a parent mm. who thought who says, please don't use that word, mm. you have to respect it for that yeah. Individ yeah. individual or somebody who says, I'm sight impaired, please don't say I'm disabled. Mm. So is that advice that, that applies in this situation? Yeah. Yes, so I would, I mean, I definitely think disability pronouns is, is important. Um, for example, like, uh, and this is one of the things um, that I, so I do some training for disability service providers uh, to help their cert for and disability students who are wanting to go out into the, the disability support workforce. And I say, because, like, I get a lot of people who ask me, oh, no, what, what word should I use when I'm referring to talking to someone with a disability? And I'm saying, well, you know, I say these are the, the, the general preferred terms, like overall. However, it's up to the individual as to what they want to be, how they want to be referred to. So, yeah. or as. Uh, so, yeah, ask the person. So, um, yeah, basically just um, yeah, ask the person what, how they would like to be referred to and go yeah. with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the other types of empathy that we look at, the first one is emotional empathy, which is feeling the feelings. So mm -hmm. you you feel sad, I feel sad, we all feel sad together. Mm -hmm. Cognitive empathy, which is me putting myself in your shoes, but there's often a lot of assumptions in that. Yes. And I think that's potentially where the danger can come in. So I don't often talk about cognitive empathy mm -hmm. um, because I think danger can come in is if you start making assumptions of I think I know what you want, I think yes. I know what you're feeling because... I'm grouping together everybody with a disability as opposed mm. to that compassionate empathy space, which is listening to what they've told you mm. as their experience and then deferring to them mm. for their preferences. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I find that quite a lot and, it, like, it, funnily enough, it comes from the disability sector, I find that one, uh, because, like, they're wanting to do a good job uh, and so what they'll then do is that they'll come in and they'll assume that they they know what you're going to want to try and make things easier. 
But the problem with that is that they haven't actually asked and therefore it complicates the things that you've got to going to correct and say no this is actually what I want so I do find that that's actually quite commonplace in the disability sector yeah that Mm. happens a a lot where people go well I've done this particular course so I know what it's like to be you or even Mm -hmm. I've experienced that so I know what it's like to be you You go no you don't no No, no, you don't I, I had a conversation the other day with someone like so I've like I'm actually at the moment I'm sitting in an electric wheelchair because I broke my leg recently. Oh no! And so I'd spent like three and a half weeks in the hospital, and then like yeah, I'm finally getting out of this race tomorrow, which will be eight weeks. But anyway, um, yeah. But and so like I was on the phone to someone, and they're like, oh, "I know exactly how you feel," and I'm just like, oh, I was, oh. I just was like, no, I've got to keep nice and calm. I don't want to blast them. But it's like you. Do not know how I feel. Like you don't know what this is like at all. So you know, yeah. yeah. And that's that's a that's such a toxic statement. It has mm. lovely intentions, absolutely, but it comes across so condescending. And that's yeah. the I think that seems to be the the space that we're both in is people have good intentions, mm-hmm. but they just need that help in getting the translation, getting the communication piece, getting the adaptability piece so that we can actually be more inclusive so when you talk about disability yeah and being a disability consultant mm-hmm. do you focus on physical disability do we look at mental disability do we look at sight set like hearing so is it everything like how does that feel big yeah so for me i only i'm only going to talk about things that i know so i have a physical disability um I, I, I'm a wheelchair user and 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 don't, and don't walk, so I'm paraplegic. Uh, so I'm only going to talk about disability really from from either a social perspective um, or from what my my experience is. I'm not going to talk about anything to do with like um, someone being deaf or blind or whatever because I've got no idea what anything that that's like. So uh, so I stay away from those kind of things. I only talk about my experience and yet yeah, social barriers that are commonplace throughout the disability community. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important for businesses as well when we are looking at, let's say, disability, Mm -hmm. to not lump everybody in together. So there are so many different types that it can, I'm guessing, feel overwhelming at times, but it's bringing in experts like yourself to say, well, what's your experience? Mm -hmm. And then listening to that experience and bringing in people who are, blind or deaf or Mm -hmm. I'm going to say have mental health issues if that's the space that you're designing for yeah but it always comes down to co-design yeah absolutely and that's one of the things uh, with one of the one of um one of the projects I worked on I did ask them when they engaged me I did ask them had they actually consulted other people and they was like no I hadn't even thought about doing that and I said well yeah, I'm going to give, I can't give you, I can't say for sure that, you know, everything is going to be ticked off here because um, I'm only doing it from my perspective and I'm, I'm not going to even judge, judge how it might be for somebody else because I'm just going to miss things and it's not, yep. it's not going to work for anybody. Yeah. And again, it's that deferring to the people who know. Exactly right. Yep. So then when we're having these conversations and we're going to talk a little bit about generally what businesses can do to be more inclusive, mm-hmm. but why is this a conversation that we need to have? Because I don't think it's ever crossed people's minds. So what are the benefits of businesses actually getting this right? Oh, <laughs> money. Money? money. Like, that, that's the biggest one. Like, okay, so looking at this way for businesses, one in five people have a disability so that could be one in five so if you haven't haven't designed for inclusion um and ensure that your place is accessible uh, and inclusive then you're missing out on that one one in every five consumers coming through your door so that's a huge a, a huge whopping pride price tag to 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 cut out so you really and and remember as well that people with disabilities it's a we invisible disability so um you've probably already it, people when i when people will say oh i don't have people with disabilities coming into my shop or whatever you know go yeah. online 
it's like, well, how do you know that? You actually don't know that because you don't know um, that, that you don't know about the invisible disabilities. So therefore, making sure that you're designing for everybody, that's that, that's the best way to go for you and the consumer. What are the consequences of getting this wrong? Apart from money, like not for the mm -hmm. business, but for the disability community. Okay, so on the, yeah, that's huge. Um, well, I will say that the Australian Human Rights Commission, the complaints that they've received uh, in the last financial year, disability discrimination was the highest, which means um, all things like not being able to get into businesses, not being able to access uh, communities, whatever. And that's been the same for like the last three years. So um, from the disability community's perspective, it basically feels like we are not included. And that has a huge impact on people with disabilities, um, isolation and just yeah, mental health, like, you know, just being reminded that, you know, you're still not included. One interesting uh, thing that I learned recently was that we've got the feminist movement. With, uh, so with the feminist movement, people with disabilities are 40 years behind the, women, the feminist movement in Australia, and yep. we're a further 10 years behind Aboriginal Australians. Okay. Inequality. So that's like huge, you know. I'm, I'm 43, uh, and to think that, you know, basically for my whole life I haven't been equal, that, that's just, that's huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the emergence of intersectional feminism is coming from, the... It's not just about white women at the board table. It's no. now like ableism and racism and all of those mm -hmm. things are coming together to go, no, 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 we lift one, we lift all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, we cannot leave people behind in this. No. So, And that's, that's really the purpose of today is to bring an awareness to people who are disabled who, like you said, are often left by the wayside they're not considered they're not even part of the the discussion mm, mm -hmm. and say so, okay well what is it that we can do as a society to to be more inclusive so yes it's designing programs and bringing in uh, consultants like yourself and mm -hmm. others who are working in that space Mm -hmm. And we've said how um, how important it is and how valuable it is, not yeah. only to the business, yes, it's money, but also mm -hmm. to people in the yeah. disabled community to feel included and valued and visible and heard, which is mm -hmm. really the goal of empathy. Yes. As a general rule, what sort of things can we do, let's say as individual, let, let's start yeah. there, as individuals, mm -hmm. what can we do? Yeah, so that, that's a really hard one to answer. Um, as individuals, what can we do? You know, I talk about experiences and stuff and things like that to so raise awareness that way. Um, and yeah, there's just like so many people who had like are now like basically going, oh, okay, yeah, I, I understand what you're going through now because of, like you know I've either gone through it now or yeah, okay. apparently going through it. So yeah, as individuals, it's sort of really really hard to. Um, really say what what we can do i mean it's it really it's a systemic issue um yeah for me um one of the big things like like uh, i do not like and i'd love to have see rid of is di di diversity targets um i'm yeah. not sure about what you think about those but i cannot stand seeing like for employees for example have listed uh we employ, say, 3% of people with disabilities. It's like, yeah. you know, that to me is just a tokenistic thing. Like, you know, yes. sort of, so therefore they'll, they'll hire 3% 3 of people with disabilities, but yes. then what are they going to do inside the organisation to actually make it feel like it's an inclusive space? Like, for example, where I used to work, um, and, and so where I used to work, there were certain things when I was off sick that I wasn't able to do, whereas if, I'd been, if that had been the case during COVID, I would have been able to do it. So with remote work, yeah, gotcha. all that kind of stuff, like that, what that was like, not possible when I when I wasn't able to work. I mean, at this time, like I was physically, I was mentally fine. I could have actually worked uh, from home if that had been available. But yeah, it's not until it, it's not until 
the majority are affected. Yeah. Uh, that, that that those kind of changes are made. So yeah, yeah, I feel like it's a systemic thing, and it needs to be. It needs to work both ways. Like I don't know, I don't know how to answer. How do we do it as individuals? But yeah, it needs to work both ways. It needs to come from the top and also needs to be at the bottom. For example, I'm not sure if you know about the Anne Marie, Marie Smith um, who died in South Australia last year. Um, yep. Yeah, so with, and I think of Anne Marie Smith and the house that she lived in, and yep. I saw a photo of it. And it's a house that, it's a beautiful house in a suburb, not like, unlike my own that I'm living in now. And to think, you know, so she had neighbours and the neighbours obviously didn't know anything about her. You know, I I just can't understand how that was allowed to able to happen when you're part of a community. So I think going back to that question now, I think that it needs to be, it needs to become part of the community. The community needs to uh, think about ensuring, and this is yet um, talking about inclusion, the community needs to make sure that it, everything that's everything is inclusive, um, yeah. and and going back to the business conversation, they may not think that there's people with disabilities living in their community, but yep, we are. And so yeah. ensuring not waiting, not waiting for someone to have to point out, look, I can't get in there. Start thinking about these things. Like yeah. I understand that people can't think about things that they haven't experienced themselves. It's going to be hard, but needs to become more integrated so that we're actually thinking about these things from the get-go. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a, a big answer. <laughs> yeah. But because it is so systemic and it is yeah. so ingrained and I think there's multiple levels. I think there's, personally, I think there are changes that individuals can make to be more empathetic. And part of that is listening and opening your mind and opening your heart and not right. making assumptions that yeah. we think we know what people are going through or that we think that what we're doing is best. Mm. So actually opening our mind that there are people with different experiences to ours, that we're allowed mm. to ask questions, that we're allowed to be curious, that we're allowed mm. to be inclusive. And if we don't know what to say or we don't know what to do, that's okay too, but you defer to the person who does know. Yes. And I think it's that opening of our mind and opening of our eyes that people with disabilities are human. Mm. They are not their disability. They are human and Mm -hmm. deferring to them when they say, I want to be referred to as this Mm -hmm. or this is my experience or even to me following people, like I follow Spencer to the West, he doesn't have a lower half of his body. He's right. sensational. I love him. But he talks about how what changes we can make as individuals to make people with disability feel heard, valued, and visible. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. deferring to people and not making assumptions or having expectations or not judging people because they don't meet some level of ability that you think people mm-hmm. should have. Yeah. So to me on a personal level, when we talk about empathy training and the reason I wanted to talk to you is go, well, Mm -hmm. even little things that we can do that would make people's lives easier is listen to their experience as a human. Yeah. And and I guess the other thing is as well, don't get offended. Like, oh, this is this would be really hard, but that's people people try have to and I guess with the empathy thing, you probably know this better, but, like, when people talk about their experiences, other people, like, for example, when I talk about my experiences, I've had people get offended because, like, and I'm not, like, I wasn't actually talking to them about them yes. doing anything wrong, but I was talking about my experiences. Yes. And, yeah, they would get offended because, or because it was making them uncomfortable. So I don't know if you saw, I posted on LinkedIn just the other day, um, it was 10 things to know about my ableist microaggressions. Mm. And so yeah. with that particular post, I had, I sat on that post for about two weeks and hadn't written it because I was like, people are going to get really offended by this because I, even but though. that's like, okay. Yeah. And so, and this is something that I've had to learn in in my business, like, you know doing all this stuff now like so I never used to talk about anything like this so I used to just like cap it up and just like 
move on, you know, so let's just, yeah. you know, go under, under the radar. So then I started doing all this stuff and, yeah, like even family, they were reading my post and they're like, wow, I never knew you even experienced any of that. I was like, yeah, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable by saying, well. Yeah, don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically if people can remember that when people are trying to tell you tell you things, they're not trying to tell you things to make you feel bad. They're yeah. trying to tell you things so that you can learn from it and change. Yeah. yeah. I find that one a hard one to do, to say, look, you may be offended by this, but don't be. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard. No, yeah. I completely understand that because to mm-hmm. me that mentality is then they're putting their comfortableness, their mm-hmm. comfort level over your humanity. Yes, and yeah, that's exactly. not how it needs to go. You're explaining your humanity, your experience, your perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's purely stating yours. But then, because it makes them slightly uncomfortable, because they mm-hmm. don't quite understand it, they don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's when they take it personally. Instead of going, no, 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 mm-hmm. thank you, and showing gratitude that you're even sharing yeah. your experience. Yeah, like I actually, there was one, um, and. I hadn't actually put a label on it until someone said, well, that was actually assault. But what, um, a couple of years ago I was waiting for a taxi outside of my university and uh, this guy walked along the street and I think he'd had a few too many. <laughs> and anyway, so I was moving over to get the taxi. This guy saw me and grabbed the back of my wheelchair and then just like thrust me towards the taxi driver, right? Oh, no. Yeah, and this was going over cobblestones. So, uh, and so wheelchair fast over cobblestones is not a good idea. Yeah. So I was basically that I knew this guy um, was drunk, and I was just like, "No, I'm not going to try it. Not going to try and tick him off or anything like that." Um, I was like, "No, I'm fine, thank you." And then he wouldn't stop, so I just said, "No, fine, thank you." So I ended up grabbing a pole next to me, like a street uh, sign. Grabbed that, yeah. held onto that, and then like so, the taxi driver didn't say anything because he was, I, I believe, he was um, Sikh, and so he didn't want to obviously get any abuse because he would have copped abuse, unfortunately, as well if he'd said anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I read, I retold the story to um, a, 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 a girl group that I'm in on Facebook, and the response I got was. Oh, he was just trying to help you. Oh, like yeah. you know, because I'm in a wheelchair, you know that anybody's trying to do that is obviously trying to help me. And it's like, well, no, it's actually. And when I told it to my friend the other day, she's like, "That's assault." And I was like, "Actually, yeah, yeah. right, it was assault." And yeah. yeah, but like, so there's that level of like expectation yeah. of, and that's an empathy thing as well. It's like you know, um, expectation of what a person with a disability should have to put up with, as opposed to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. And it even things like, to me, that assumption that disabilities are visible. So mm-hmm. when people, uh, I mean, we've seen on the news, people who abuse people who are in parking spaces mm-hmm. or people who take disabled parking spaces, but people who mm-hmm. say, well, you don't have a disability yeah. because you can't see it. And it's, mm-hmm. in all honesty, none of their business. Exactly right. None yeah. of their business. Yeah. yeah. The other one so that angry. I've seen is where, let's say, and it, tell me if you've had this experience where you'll be in a wheelchair next to somebody able bodied mm-hmm. and whoever you're talking to will just address them. Oh. Have you had that? All the time. So, all the time. And it's like, even, um, oh, so with my partner, so my partner doesn't have a disability, but if we go out anywhere, like, yeah, I'll talk and then the person that's like, you say, for example, at the shop, we'll then go to talk to him and he's my partner just, like, wanders off, like, just, just totally doesn't even register and wanders off so the person has to speak to me. That, like, that happens all the time. Uh, and also uh, there was one other experience that I thought was quite funny. Um, I was with my friend having lunch one day and everyone kept thinking she was my carer, which, like, Oh. You know, uh, but look, this one woman, this elderly woman, walks up to her, and she's like, "Oh, she's got a great wheelchair." Like pointing to me, and then so in the end, I just went, I, I kind of just leaned over the table and tried to get in this woman's like line of sight, like and start yeah. talking to her. But like she totally 
just kept talking to my friend instead of me. I'm just like, I thought, and uh, it's kind of, it's weird because it's kind of like, well, yeah, I understand that it's an older person, so they don't really think, you know, yeah. you've got a brain, but yeah, so it's really, it happens that often. That you, you you do you you actually get really empathetic and go okay look I yeah. understand why that person's doing that but yeah, yeah it's still irritating <laughs> yeah. but at the same time I mean I asked you a minute ago what individuals can do and it, mm. it feels like it's so part of your existence now yes. these these microaggressions and yes. these acts that you, it doesn't automatically come to your mind of what people no. can do to change whereas when I prompted you you went oh yes that and yes that. Um, yes. So it feels like it's just part of your your daily life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've, um, yeah, I've learnt, so yeah, I, like I said, I'm in my 40s now, so I've just learnt to, like, yeah, just cop it and really it shouldn't, it, I shouldn't have to, but I have, like, even like these, I, at the talks I was talking about earlier where I, for the, um, the cert for disability um, people that I do talks for. I talk about my experience growing up. Like for example, um, like I born in the seventies, went to high school, uh, school in the eighties, high school nineties, and like it, even things like you know from that age uh, in primary school, they had me doing like when the other kids were doing bike, they had me sitting in a room doing typing because I was going to be doing doing office work for the rest of my life you know that and that was like you know that was the direct well I mean I ended up doing office work for 20 years um but yeah so like I was was, everything was just so ingrained that I just you kind of just like yep go under the radar as you said earlier don't rock the boat everybody else obviously knows better than you do but that's how I felt like you know these these are people who care for me so therefore they must know uh, what's better for me and in reality, it's just like no, it's because of the way they've been taught to think about disability, um, is a, and that's why they were treating me the way they were treating me. Yeah. yeah. So, is there a way that you prefer, let's say, that people ask you about and start conversations about your disability? So, if I was to ask, yeah. have you always been in a wheelchair? Is mm-hmm. that nosy? Is it curious? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want people to ask? How do we um, have conversations about, or do we yeah. just pretend they're not there? Don't no, don't pretend. It's really interesting. So, for, this is my approach for me. Like, so I don't mind people saying, "So, why are you in a wheelchair?" Um, I prefer it. Like, if, if if I was to meet somebody for the first time, um, I don't like it in the first conversation. Generally, however, um, you know, if that person builds up a rapport with me. And then they ask, "I'm like, yeah, cool. I can tell you that's fine." Um, like, I've done. Uh, articles like I've had journalists um, spoken to journalists and so they're like oh so what's your disability and I'm like I've learnt through the disability community that not to answer that question when it comes to that because if I'm doing say if I'm doing an interview with a journalist about a certain topic my disability doesn't have to shouldn't have to have anything to do with that particular topic Yes. Um, it's only if it's relevant to the topic yes. that I'll talk about the disability, that disability, like that that question. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, like so, basically, I mean, yeah. So to say, why are you in a wheelchair? That I mean, that's I think that's an okay question to ask as long as you've got a rapport with the person, yes. or as long as it's pertinent to the conversation that you're having. So, if it's just for their curiosity, then it's like. No, because so like you know, it's um nosy basically. You know, if you're yeah, asking, yeah. asking somebody else about like uh about their health issues, you know, so mm. yeah, it's like so. And I think it's interesting because disability seems like it's an open slather question, mm. um, but um yeah. Whereas other things, you certainly wouldn't ask people about. So that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I think it also comes back to. It's not the most interesting thing about you. It's not part yes. of, it's not who you are. Yes, it's exactly. It's part of your experience. It's mm-hmm. part of what makes up your experience and your mm-hmm. physicality, let's say. Yeah. But it's not the most interesting thing about you and it doesn't define you. Whereas I think no. a lot of people make this assumption that 
Yeah. The disability defines the person. And I'm trying to get it across, especially in this podcast, of yeah. the humanity defines the person, their personality, yeah. their yeah. kindness mm-hmm. defines yeah. the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact absolutely. that their legs don't work, yeah. not the most interesting thing about them. No, and this is so interesting. So, like, as I was saying earlier, how, like, I, well, I mean, yeah, I've only been working in, in this space for, um, since 2019. So, and it, it seems like such a short time for, you know, someone my age and who's got mm. a disability. But it was so interesting. Like, I would come across so many people who, like, strangers, um, and they go, oh, you'd be perfect for that position. Why? Because you've got a disability, like um, disability. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute, you don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about my skills. So why would you assume that I actually be good for that position just because I've got a disability? Like, you know, yeah. that that to me was just like, yeah. But it was something that I would have, like, it would be so common. I'd meet someone, like, for example, like I have, um, I require support workers in the morning and I'd have someone for the first time and, yeah, that would be the one, one of the things they'd say, like, I, um, you'd be great to work at the NDIS or whatever. And I'm like, why? You know, because you've got the, you know, in a wheelchair. I'm like, okay, right. Um, but actually, yeah. And, like, you know, like I said, I'm an anthropologist. That's, like, so with um, and that's what basically underpins all the kind of work I do is I, I use the anthropological skills to do that. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's really funny to me that people just go straight away disability. So that's and so I really didn't. I held off for a long time and fought the idea about doing anything disability related. But it, and it wasn't until I started this job and I started like I said started this work. I started this work because um, the more I had to engage disability services, the more of a gap I saw in the way people treated people with disabilities and the experiences people with disabilities had. And that's why I was like, no, that's just not on that says something needs to be done there. But yeah. yeah, it wasn't just because I've got a disability, so I'm gonna do this thing, you know, because you know I can cash in on it. That wasn't, yeah, totally not what I want to do. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean I work in the social enterprise space. I'm very passionate about social enterprise and there are some amazing uh, social enterprises who are mm-hmm. specifically employing people with a disability, but that is very different to what you said before of people who just have a quota who think it's the mm. right thing to do, and it's this tokenistic yes gesture. Mm. So, how do businesses then get that piece of the puzzle right when we talk about? Uh, designing so customer mm. inclusion and designing mm. for disability that's very that's external yeah so when we're talking about internal inclusivity what sort mm. of if it's not just saying eh, we need three percent we'll just get anybody and that'll mm. tick out what we can stick it in the mm. annual report mm. and then they can just pull staples or something yeah yeah how can businesses do the internal disability inclusion piece better uh, I can only really talk from my experience as, as an employee. Uh, there's not enough people with disabilities in leadership positions. So yes. that needs to change. Um, boards needs to have a person with a disability. And, and when I say that, I'm not just saying, you know, because uh, for representation, but like, you know, it's obviously the right person for that yep. board. Um, but yeah, that ne- needs to, everything. Anything around inclusion needs to include someone with a disability. Um, otherwise, what's there's, you know, it's not really doing inclusion right. And that's where that's I guess that's where when I got interested in the inclusion space, that's where I found like it was just so lacking and I thought nut. So you stop being scared about things and yeah, get people with disabilities um in those positions and learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The la- the language that I use, especially when teaching in social enterprises, we design with people. We don't design for people. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we have to. Yeah, it's not some token gesture at the board table of oh you're ticking a box. It's no, mm. no, no. How do we do this better? It's getting rid of that. 
that ivory tower mindset of I'm going to design for the people and my idea is the best for the people as opposed Mm. to no, 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 I'm going to get in there. We're going to design with people and getting rid of language like those people. I hate Mm -hmm. the word. I deal with those people. I hate that language with a passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like so many, uh, like this is interesting, like I was doing a search for um, quotes from people disabled quotes from people with disability and instead of being able to find quotes from people with disabilities I kept finding quotes about people with disabilities and there were all people who didn't have a disability and just giving all these inspirational quotes and I'm just like some ridiculous you know where's the yeah where's stop talking about us and talk with us and exactly yeah and like and our voices yeah absolutely yeah And by the sound of it, there is no downside to this. There is no downside to treating people like humans, listening to them. By the sound of it, you and I speak the same language. There are Mm -hmm. personal benefits across the board. There's being a better human and creating a a better uh, existence and experience for people who have a disability. Mm -hmm. There are business benefits. There are community benefits. There's mental health benefits. There is no downside. No, and to being to, inclusive. No, and like the other thing to think of as well is that people with disabilities aren't sort of just like a, a section of the community. People, everyone is going to experience disability in their life. Everyone, like everyone, like as you get older, you're going to experience. So, like you know, <laughs> you get it's pregnant. Not, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so there's nobody. <laughs> And like, well, that, and that, that's an interesting thing because, like, I've, I've been like, I remember going so many shops that I've gone into where, like, you know, I can't get fit around the aisles, and then so then there'll be a mum pushing a pram and yeah. like giving giving knowing looks to each other because we know exactly what's going on in oh, the shop. It's like, yeah. so everyone's going to experience disability, so it's not like it's not like something that you can really escape from. So yeah, yeah. Stop, stop ignoring it, really. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's that that cognitive empathy piece of going, oh, that's right. I know what it's like to have a broken leg or to not be able to waddle from my car to the <laughs> shop because of the other people on board that I had with me. Yeah. Or when you, yeah, when you do have, let's say, an ear infection and you can't hear so good. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is, whatever mm. it is, but really going, oh, that's right. When mm-hmm. I'm in that situation, I'd like people to actually uh, treat me like a human being and make yeah. some allowances for me. Yeah. So there was one thing because um, talking about like what businesses should do and what they one of the things that they shouldn't do, and this is one um, t- talked about on uh, on LinkedIn from my um, microaggression post. Someone commented about the. Um, the tokenistic exercises, like for example, where they'll give someone a wheelchair and say, "Hey, sit in this for an hour," and then you'll be able to see what it's like being in a wheelchair. Well, guess what? No, you can't. <laughs> you know, like so, avoiding all that that kind of stuff is yeah, that it's, cognitive it's, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that's not going to teach you what it's really like. <laughs> no, because yeah. unless you have that underlying compassionate empathy piece of. Mm. Sharing and understanding the feelings of another person and responding appropriately. Mm-hmm. If you go straight into cognitive empathy of I know what it's like to be you, mm-hmm. oh, you can come across as a bit of a dick. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then that's going to get my back up because I'm just like, yeah, no, you don't. And no, you don't. Yeah, you haven't that's, that's very hard to engage with. I, I need to learn how to engage with someone who says that in a way that's like, um, trying to correct them without getting angry kind of thing. Yeah, and I suppose when we talk in this podcast a lot, we talk about empathy for particular professions and experiences, but we also talk about empathy from. So let's talk about that really quick. Do you get exhausted having to explain to people or people with good intentions, do they mean to come across condescending? Do they mean to cause you harm? What's the empathy that we could have for people who get this just wrong? Yeah, look, I mean, it's very. There are people who are condescending, and it, that's extremely rare. Um, it's it's mainly just about wanting to be better. 
and yeah, it's it's it is really exhausting. I have days where I'm just like, I wish I could. My brain goes, I wish I could just go back to being totally ignorant about things because I was, yeah. I was ignorant about things. I wish I could go back to being ignorant about things. Forget that, like, you know, that I've got disability. Stop talking about disability because when you can't get the message across that you're trying to get across, that's really exhausting. Or when you see, um, yeah, when you see things and you're just like, I've just spoken about that and it's still not getting through. That's yeah. just like huge. And yeah, so it's 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 very tiring, but then you realize that's the reason why you're still doing it. Yeah. And it, yeah. and I think it's imp- I think it's important as well. I mean, from the comments that you get on LinkedIn, you've changed minds, you've opened some minds. Hopefully today we've done that as well. Um, mm. and I think that people need to learn that intention is not enough. You can have good intentions, but if you communicate it without empathy, mm-hmm. you can actually do damage. And I think yeah. from your experience, you've explained that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I love those conversations as well because I'm learning stuff too. Like, it's amazing just the, some of the things like, uh, remember Stella Young? Like, so she's a disability, she was a disability act- activist and a comedian. And yeah, she passed away some years ago. But look her up on TEDx. She does, does yeah. this amazing this talk uh, about uh, I am not your inspiration and about inspiration porn and stuff. And she is fantastic. When I listened to her, uh, I listened to her when I sort of started my business journey and I was just like, wow, she explains things so well. And yeah. really. Was it Stella so, Young? Did you yeah, say? Yes, Stella Young, yeah. yeah. And she, she just nailed it and just. So from because of that, I was then sort of able to go, okay, well, if she can say this stuff, then yeah, I'm gonna start like yeah, being open too, because it's the only way to actually get things across. Yeah. 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 And I think with humor as well, we've got to look at humor with yes. people and not mm. humor at people. And yes. really being aware of our language mm. and our jokes and our humor. I mean, I remember mm. the mm. first mm. introduction that I had was Steady Eddie. Ah yes, love Steady Eddie, yeah. And he was hilarious, but you're allowed to laugh with him. Yes. You can't laugh at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's another thing that people can do is when we check our humour or when other people are making jokes about people with Mm -hmm. disabilities, then it's checking Mm -hmm. them as well and calling them on it and going, oh, not cool. It's so so funny. It's like I make jokes about having, like, I, I make jokes about myself. Um, so look, one of the things that I do is powerlifting. So I do bench press. Uh, I obviously can't do the squat deadlift or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like I've um, I've got t-shirts with disability jokes on them, like that I've made up. And people, when I wear them, people are like, mm, you "Should you be wearing that?" And I'm like, "I'm the one that's making the joke." Like, um, yeah. you know, like, and I remember like being at the gym and I I cracked a joke about myself. And one of the guys goes, am I allowed to laugh at that? Just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, please. please, please laugh. Otherwise it's going to be like, you know, that's very Crickets. awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for today. I think our takeaways are to listen and treat people with disability as actual humans because that mm-hmm. is what they are. And they yeah. One of the things that I say is people are humans to be heard, not problems to be solved. Yeah. So talking to people, listening to people, deferring to people, including people with disabilities of all different kinds, not generalising, mm-hmm. not making assumptions, not making mm-hmm. expectations, not yeah. laughing at people, not designing for people, but mm-hmm. being inclusive in everything that you do and mm-hmm. thinking, how might we, not how might we do this better, but how yeah. might we engage someone to help us do this better? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've had so many people go, oh, could you have a look at this? And then, like, and what, when I say this, it's way down the track and they haven't had anybody look at it at the right moment. It's just like, oh, you, you know. If you and get by then it's too early, expensive to change. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, yeah, well, sorry, we can't change it now because we've gone too far. And it's like, well, what was the point of getting me to have a look at it, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. 
exactly. But I, mm-hmm. I definitely think it's it's having conversations. It's Absolutely. listening to people. It's following people who have different experiences. So I follow her perspective, and she's all about intersectional feminism. Perspective mm-hmm. feminism on Instagram, and Spencer to the West. And Spencer to the West. Yes, I'm going to look. I'm going to look him up. He's about that one. He's so good. He's so yeah. good. It's opening our minds, opening our hearts, opening our ears. And really seeing people for more than just their disability. Mm. Ainsley, how can people find you? Yeah, so ainsleyhooper.com.au is my website. Um, Ainsley Hooper Consulting on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, Ainsley Hooper Consulting. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Uh, and I've also got a podcast, which I've done one season of, Ainsley Hooper Chats With. Uh, awesome. Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I'm doing um, another season this year. Uh, the first one I was, uh, it was about 10 things to know about people with disabilities. Um, oh, with awesome. And this year is going to be about the experiences of COVID um, for people with disabilities. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we'll put, I'll put all the links in all the things so you can find Ainsley basically everywhere, it seems. Yeah. And you're yeah. based in Melbourne? Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I'm based in Geelong. So my business, okay. I, I do consulting online. Um, with, with, I mean, before even COVID hit, my, my consulting was going to, um, I had intended to be online. Um, so, yeah, basically... I do most of it online. I do. I I can do some face to face stuff, but generally I do it online. And the, the well. I think the the key for today is get our inclusion consultants in at the beginning of the project. Yes, not absolutely. At the end of the project. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. So it's like, okay, have we got everybody's perspective? Have we got a person with a disability's perspective? No, then you need to do something about that. Absolutely, yeah. Ainsley. I wish you every success. Good luck thank getting you. your moon boot off tomorrow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ainsley. What a lovely discussion that was. And thank you for being so open about your experience. I definitely think that there was something in there for all of us to take away how we can better interact with an open heart and an open mind to create homes and communities and businesses that are more inclusive for people with disabilities. Because at the end of the day, like I said, People are humans to be heard, not problems to be solved. If you'd like to find Ainsley Hooper, she's on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and on her website and her podcast, and I'll put all those links below. And you can find me, Leanne Butterworth, at empathyfirst.com.au or on social media, empathyfirsthq. As you know, I do empathy training in businesses and online to help create communities and workplaces where everybody feels heard valued and visible. My name's Leanne Butterworth and that was the Empathy Podcast. I'll see you next time.